Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. So good to see all you guys here today. Hey, listen, at uh, basically the beginning of the week, I, I was planning on uh, running a certain way today and teaching on a certain thing. But uh, as we kind of saw the week unfold and we kind of witnessed all the things that we saw over the last week, uh, I really felt impressed, especially I, I kind of fought it, to be honest with you. I, I kind of wanted to stay in that direction, but the more I prayed, I kept feeling like the Holy Ghost uh, was nudging me in a certain direction. And so out of obedience, I'm going to share a few things with you this morning uh, that truthfully uh, may be a little bit more direct than they normally are from here. And uh, so I just kind of ask you, maybe if you can, just kind of open up your heart and, and give me a second. Just kind of hear me out. And uh, secondly, I think the thing I would ask is simply this, is that maybe if you could, uh, you know, put your spiritual mature pants on for a minute and not get easily offended today by the things that you're going to hear. All right. So because I think this when the rubber meets the road, my hope is that today's message, I think if we can do those things, if we can accomplish that, that it will help us maintain a proper biblical perspective that we need in this season. And it will also help us to remain God-centered or God-focused in the time we're living in. And so let me kind of start by giving us all a foundational thought to kind of set up where we're going today. And it's simply this, that every challenge or we can say every difficulty or every trouble that we will ever face in this life, we have to remember that it is a direct symptom or is a byproduct of the fall of man that we read about in Genesis chapter 3. Now, this means that, uh, you know, every emotional, mental problem that we will ever, you know, come into contact with, that that is a direct result of the false impact on our soul. We talked about that several weeks ago. And also in that is that every sickness and every disease that we will ever struggle with is a result of the false impact on our physical body. Now, remember, we are body, soul, and spirit. So the, also our spirit is, is also... Uh, you know, how can I say, impacted by the fall of man. And I'll say it this way, that, that every bit of spiritual darkness that we see and we contend with, not only around the globe, but more specifically today in our nation, we got to remember it is a direct result of people still living under the curse of the fall. If you know this true, say amen. So listen, with that in mind, I fully realize that there are different views and the different opinions out there. And I'm certain that there's different opinions and different views also in this room today concerning uh, where we're at as a nation and how we've gotten here. And even more importantly, what God thinks about it. So listen, in spite of uh, where we might land, you know, personally on things, I hope we can all agree on the fact that it doesn't take a whole lot of discernment to realize that we are in levels upon levels upon levels of deception and corruption in our country, right? That, that literally it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on. And, and for you guys that are maybe new, I don't get political often and I'm not trying to be political today, I'm trying to point us in the direction. So just hear my heart, please. But, but listen, the reality is, is we are in uh, that deception and in that corruption up to our necks, right? Because so many people in the church and outside the church have made the decision that they would rather live for their personal happiness, their own personal gain, their own personal satisfaction, rather than living for integrity and righteousness. So listen, I know this may be strong, and once again, I realize there's different views, and you made things right or wrong, and, and that's not the case. But the facts are, is that in our nation, we, uh, there's close to a million babies that are killed uh, through the act of abortion every year. That's facts, right? 
Pornography and sexual sin runs rampant. Sex trafficking happens right under our noses. Uh, we become so desensitized to the point where we accept any gender identity. And, and I'll say this, as a country, we have actually embraced the redefining of God's sacred covenant, which is called the act of marriage between a man and a woman. So much so what, what God calls perversion, we call it love. Right. And on top of that, murder and all these other acts of violence take place at alarming rate. Uh, man, as a nation, we're choking on greed and our love for money. Racism and prejudice thinking abounds in every direction between every color. Right. It's not just one way. It's always right. And, and I could just say this. The list could go on and on and on. But the bottom line is, is, is as a nation, at least in my opinion, we have lost our way. Right. And in doing so, we have forgotten the core values that this nation was originally founded on, which is the word of God. Yes. So listen, and what possibly, you know, is the most disheartening and grievous part of all this, at least to me, is this, is that the church's hands, at least here in America, aren't that clean in all those areas either. In other words, go back down that list and you'll find that there's many believers participating in that just as much as those that are in the world. Now, the truth is, is that. This is a time in history where our society needs to see an alternative to itself. And I'm afraid in many ways that because we have lost our way too as a church, that we've allowed ourselves to become an echo of what the world already has. Instead of being the standard that they need us to be. In other words, when you look at us, once again, you look at them, a lot of times there's not that much of a difference. For example, and I'm not going to meddle on this, but just kind of get our minds rolling in a certain direction, uh, just to speak in general terms for a moment. All it would take is a quick scroll through many Christian social media feeds. All it would take is to kind of lean in and to hear a quick listen to some of their conversations. And you would find that there's just as many believers that are offended, just as many amount of believers that are spewing out just as much hate. They're, you know, they're spewing out divisive rhetoric. They are giving sarcasm, right? And they're just as defended and just as defensive. And I would say this, that they're even full of false information uh, just as much as those who claim to not know God. Now listen, I realize that there's a lot of people in here who may argue with me, a lot of people out there may argue with me, and that's fine. But, but I'm here to tell you a major part of our problem is simply this, is that so many of us as believers have become more politically minded than kingdom minded. So much so that, once again, you, you may disagree with me, but it's facts. That, listen, so many people have begun to view a man or a political view or political party as their salvation and the hope of their, you know, their, hope of their future, right? And I'm just trying to say this, and hopefully you hear me here, that these people that have viewed these two men, these two parties, right, so that they're so heavily invested, that what's happened is because they're so heavily invested, Jesus has taken a back seat. In doing so, what's happened is they've made the grave mistake, and I've said this, you know, time and time again around here recently, but, but what happens is, is when you buy into something that hard, the other people who don't agree with you, what happens is, is those who are flesh and blood, those who are black or white, those who are Democratic or Republican, what happens is, is they become your enemy rather than us actually putting our energy in the real fight, in the real place where it's happening, which is against the kingdom of darkness. Are you hearing me today? So, so listen, and, and on top of that, let's not even begin to mention, once again, we're talking about the church here for a moment. Let's not even begin to mention the secret sin and the blatant sin that you see from so many people, right? Because it's there. And I'm kind of saying all this today. The only way I can word it, man, is I say all this to our shame. Right? It's to our shame that these things are here. In fact, as I was preparing for today's message, the verse that kind of grabbed me was when Paul actually uh, told the Galatian church this in Galatians chapter 3. He said this. 
He said, oh foolish Galatians. We could even say, oh foolish believers, right? He says, who has bewitched you? Who has deceived you? Who has tricked you that you should not obey the truth? See, the harsh reality is, is as a church, we, once again, have lost our own way. And because the reason we've lost our own way is because we have walked away from the truth of God's Word, which uh, is really meant, if you stop and look at the Bible, which the Word of God is the only thing that was ever meant to be the light into our path and the, and the lamp into our feet. Right? So, listen, I don't know about you, and I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear all this, but I, I'll pick on this spot here for a second is, listen, I care deeply about God, and I care deeply about the health of God's church, right? And, and I can't help but to wonder if part of the reason why we're in the condition we're currently in is because we as ministers have watered down the Word of God so much so that the only thing our preaching is accomplishing is the tickling of people's ears that hear us. And, of course, we all know that that's, that's all done in the name of relevancy and to be trendy, right? And, and, and so, if I can maybe pause there for a minute, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. What I'm not doing is I'm not taking away your own personal responsibility to develop and grow in your own faith because that's your responsibility, yeah. right? It's every individual's. But, but uh, what I'm saying is the scary part of all this is, is when the truth is watered down from God's chosen leaders, it will always produce believers who lack the necessary maturity to live a life of faith, right? And more importantly, it will always produce people who lack a fear of God, Right? And it's the fear of God that, that, that we need because it's essential to actually help us live a righteous life. Amen? Amen. So, so you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, please understand my heart today. I'm not trying to point the finger. I'm not trying to put the shade on anybody, right? Uh, in or outside the church. Listen, I know I'm not perfect. God knows I'm not perfect. My family knows I am not perfect, right? So I'm not standing here in the seat of a judgment, sitting here in the judgment seat. And I'm not standing here today saying that all Christians fall in that category because thank God they don't, right? Um, rather, my goal is to simply say this, okay? If you can get anything from the top here, is to simply point out that we would be absolutely foolish to think that even for a second, literally, that there would not come a day when we as a nation or as a church would reap the repercussions from all of these poor choices, Right? Like, in other words, why in our head would we ever think that we can just sow all these seeds that we've been sowing and think it's impossible that there's going to come a day that we're going to reap things that we don't want to reap? And all you have to do is really is just stop and turn on the TV or any really media outlet at the moment, and you're going to find very quickly, like, who wants that unless you're bent towards evil? Right? So, and, and here's the gist of this. And, and the Bible actually... Uh, backs everything up that we're currently seeing. I'm going to give you three verses really quick. Proverbs 22, 8 simply says this. It says, He who sows injustice or iniquity will reap, what? A harvest of trouble. Like we're here, right? Hosea 8, 7 says this. It says, They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. Now, the reason I bring that up is because nobody ever sows something and expects. In other words, so often we do things, we think, ah, it's not that big of a deal. But when that thing comes back at you like a Mack truck. So the point here is that, man, what they reap was way worse, right, than what they sowed. And lastly, the verse that most of us connect when it comes to this train of thought or this spiritual principle is Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. It says this. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. 
If I could stop there for a second, when I gave my life to Jesus, because I grew up in a household, you, you know, as many of you guys have heard, where Jesus wasn't preached, I, I had no clue who God was. And, and then, when, then when I became a Christian, right, late in my teen years, uh, I never thought at that time that I would see a day where people who called themselves lovers of Jesus mocked God and mocked the Word of God by their actions and by their lifestyle. Now, maybe other people saw it, but I didn't see it then. And so I'm pretty like, wow, I never expected this, but we're here once again, right? So Simmons says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. For whatever a man sows, this and this only is what he will reap. For the one who sows to his flesh, his sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulsions, will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction. But the one who sows to the Spirit, this is a good part of this principle, but he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. It's pretty straightforward, yeah? So, so if I can maybe stop for a second. Listen, am I sitting here telling you today that, uh, you know, everything that's happened in our nation right now, that it is the judgment of God coming upon us, okay? A am I sitting here saying at the same token that everything that you're seeing is simply, man, the enemy's deceiving us, we're falling right into his master plan, and it's all the devil doing this. I I'm going to tell you this today, and, and some of you may not like this, but I'm going to be really noncommittal. I'm going to tell you I don't know. I don't know. And listen, until I, until I have some clear distinction from the Lord, I'm not going to get them to say it's this or that. I don't know. And, and here's, and I love your faces right now. It's awesome. But, but, but here's the thing. Listen, is I realize that there are those in the body of Christ today uh, that say that there's no longer a judgment. And the reason they say that is because Christ took it all for us on the cross, right? He was our, here's the theological word, He was our propitiation. The wrath of God was appeased by what Jesus went through on the cross. And, and yes, that is true. But, but listen, if there is no judgment, then somebody might want to tell Ananias and Sapphira that they missed the memo. Right? And if you don't know who that is, go read Acts chapter 5. But all of that happened after Jesus died on the cross and after Jesus was risen from the dead. Guess what? Because why? Because judgment still comes. In fact, the Bible tells us, and this is a strong word that we need to heed, that judgment begins where? Not in the world, but in the house of God. Right? And so if we also understand that, yes, so judgment does still take place, right? But at the same time, we all know, according to John 10, 10, right, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But with that, we have to remember that the only way the enemy can really gain access into our lives, the only way that he really gets authority in our lives is if we come in agreement with his lies and with his plans. Thirdly, and lastly in this, we also have to realize and remember that, guess what, that we can, as God's people, we can step out of God's divine protection, God's divine covering, if we choose by our own free will to live a life disobedience to God's word. And so, and obviously when that takes place, in other words, if we willfully say, you know what, God, I know what your word says, but I'm choosing to live this way, we step outside of covering, at that moment, it's not God's fault, we become a target to the enemy. Right? And so what am I really saying to you today in this? I'm saying that really when you look around, does it really matter if it's God? Does it really matter if it's the devil? Does it really matter if it's just us? The bottom line is no, because at the end of the day, if you circle back around, the principle is true. What a man reaps that he will sow, and that's where we're at. Amen? Amen. So, all right. So I know all that's direct, okay? And, and, and I was told last night it sounds really gloom and doom, Okay? But, but let me encourage you today, because in spite of what we might uh, potentially be facing in the future, uh, I think it's key, man, that we don't lose heart, 
Right? That we don't allow ourselves to mentally, emotionally, spiritually fall into some pit of despair so much so that we lose all hope. All right? Because the truth is, is the only way that you and I can fall into a pit of despair is if we allow our hearts to begin to struggle with about, about a spiritual amnesia. Please hear what I'm about to say. You see, spiritual amnesia happens with God's people when we forget about four things. We forget about, number one, who our God is. Secondly, what He has spoken. Number three, who He has called us to be. And fourthly, what He has called us to do. Right? The bottom line, guys, is listen, it doesn't really matter what happens in this nation. You know, it could really be in the best of times or the worst of times. At the end of the day, guess what? Those four things do not change because they're rooted in God. Right? They do not change. So, listen, it doesn't matter if the, if the church grows to 5,000 or if we all go, you know, home churches and we're hiding from the government. That doesn't change. Right? Because, once again, God said it. So, let's take a second and, and let's go through these. And I'll be quick with it. But the first thing I want to encourage you once again today, in spite of what everything may look like, we got to remember, please remember, who our God is has not changed. Right? I realize there's loads of reasons why people get scared and afraid right now, but man, he hasn't changed. Okay? So we know this is true because Malachi 3.6 tells us this. It says, For I am the Lord. Watch this. I do not change. That's pretty straightforward. That's really good news. That's better news than what your face is showing. Amen? He said, I do not change. And he said this. Watch this. He said, But I remain faithful to my covenant with you. This is where we actually remember as God's people, guess what? That we have a covenant. We're under a new covenant, right? And that covenant wasn't based off what I did. It was based off what Jesus did as my representative. And because it's based off Jesus, praise God for that, right? Because I'd blow it up, right? And then it simply says this. It says, because he's faithful to his covenant, that is why you, O sons of Jacob, let's put our name there, right? Whatever your name is, O you, right, have not come to an end. Like, what, what he's saying, guys, is this, is guess what? If I wasn't remaining to the covenant that I made with you, man, you'd be gone. You, it had already been a wrap. But because I've remained faithful to my covenant, guess what? You're okay because I do not change, right? Your safety is found in me, not you, right? And so, listen, I just think that this should tell us, listen, if he was faithful to us before all this, He'll be faithful afterwards. If He was our provider before all this, He'll be our provider afterwards. If He loved us before, He's still going to love us. Keep on going down the list to what His character and what His nature is. Guess what? He's going to remain and be those things, right? Because He's the Lord God that does not change. Amen? Second thing is this, I'm encouraging you today that in spite of what you may feel like, because I promise you, if you turned on the TV this past week, you felt something. You might have liked what you felt, or you might not have liked what you felt, but you felt something. And I want you to remember, in spite of what you felt, man, what He has spoken has not changed. Now let me give you just a scripture here to bring some perspective to what we're seeing at the moment, okay? Because He said this to Timothy. Paul wrote this to Timothy as he was led by the Spirit. But it says in 2 Timothy 3.1, it says, You should know this, Timothy. Once again, slide your name in there. You should know this. That in the last days there will be very difficult times. <laughs> it says, For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Guys, we're there. 
They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Watch this prophecy right here, the next one. They will betray their friends. Y'all didn't know Karen was in the Bible, did you? Just saying. And then it says, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but if, but if I actually sat back and let's say that was the only portion of the Bible that I knew, I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, oh, that's depressing. Right? Like, that's bad news. Like, if that's all we focused on. And I'm telling you, there's people right now that just embrace this whole, uh, you know, pretty much this, this suffering gospel. That's all they see. Okay, but we got to remember there's another side to all of this because if that's all we see, we're going to drive ourselves crazy, right? So let's remember what Jesus told us because if we don't bring balance to this, it's a huge disservice. He said this in John 16, 33. He says, I have told you, slide your name in there, right? I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Notice he didn't say so you could have peace in the world system. He didn't say so you could have peace in a political party. So you have peace in, uh, peace in a certain president. He said we'd have peace in him. Amen. Amen. He said here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Guarantee, bank on it, take it to the bank. He said it, right? So there's going to be trials, there's going to be sorrow. But he said this, but take heart. But take heart, church, right? Why? Because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. It's great news. So listen, when I hear that in balance, it brings a great perspective of, oh, that's why we're seeing what we're seeing in the nation. Okay, but here's how I'm supposed to respond. It's not out of anger. It's not out of depression. It's not out of despair. It's not out of hopelessness. It's not, you know, out of frustration or fear. It is simply this. I'm going to look to Jesus, right? And I'm going to understand that he overcame the world and I'm, and I'm with him. Yeah. I'm with him. I'm not on the Trump train. I'm not riding with Biden. I'm with him. Amen. I am with Jesus. Yes? Yeah. Amen. That's the most political statement I've said all year. Yeah. It's funny. So thirdly, I want to encourage you to remember that, listen, through all of this, this is huge, that who He has called us to be has not changed. Yeah. Here's why I say that. It's because throughout history, even in the darkest of times, man, God has always had this thing, this word called a remnant. Right? And, and if you're wondering, man, who is God's remnant? Maybe you've never heard that before. A remnant is simply this. If I can give you a, a real simple definition. Man, a remnant is made of those believers who remain steadfast in God's word. And right, that they stayed standfast in God's ways. So much so that they refused to bow down to the culture or the spirit of this age. Right? The culture of this world. And so it's like this, guys. In spite of what we might face in the future, at the end of the day, the encouragement here is, man, is stay the course in spite of the cultural opposition that we may face. Amen. Amen. Because why? Because He is with us. Amen. Amen. Let me give you an example of this biblically. Romans 11, 2 and 5, it says this. It says, no, God has not rejected his own people whom he chose from the very beginning. He says, do you realize what the scriptures say about this? And then it says, Elijah the prophet complained to God about the people of Israel and said, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. And guess what, God? I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. How many of you guys know that sounds like a really bad day? <laughs> right? Like that's the guy's perception, right? Like all he's focusing on is 2 Timothy 3. It's not pretty. It's not good, right? 
And then God simply says this. And do you remember God's reply? Okay, that's what Paul wrote. Then he said this. He said, no, I have 7,000 others. In other words, I have a remnant who have never bowed down to Baal. Right? And watch these next first few words. It is the same today. Like it goes on in context, talk about Israel, but man, we're grafted in, so I'm taking it. It is the same today. That man, that it's not just me, I'm not the only one standing here. Man, there's a remnant of God's people that is a mighty, you know, mighty army that is under the anointing, that is covered by His presence. We're good. Right? Amen? Amen. So listen, if I could add anything to this as a remnant, let's remember that in the middle of all the spiritual darkness that's around us, right? Guess what? We're still called to be the light of the world. Like, let's not forget that. We are called to be the light of the world. Let's forget that that has not changed, right? And so that should remind us that, listen, uh, darkness always blends in with darkness. Okay? But, but the reality is, guess what? His light always sticks out and reveals the way. And that's who Jesus wants us to be. We know this is true because Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says this. Once again, here's our identity. Here's who we're called to be. You are, not you might be, not one day. You are the light of the world. Right? It says, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on the stand where it gives light to everyone in the house, everyone in the region in Jesus' name. Right? It says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. Lastly, I want to encourage us that we need to remember that what He has called us to do, what... What He has called us to do has not changed. In other words, this is that in spite of what we see, our mission remains the same. And what is our mission? Listen, some of us have been sitting so long. In fact, I'll say it this way. I used to work with a pastor. He said, you know why they call it a pew, don't you, Quentin? I said, no, sir. He said, because people have been sitting there so long, they stink. (laughs) I said, okay, awesome. So listen, so in spite of your active engagement or your non-engagement, I want you to remember you have a mission, right? And your mission is simply this, outside of loving Jesus, it is simply this, it's to win souls and make disciples. That's our, that's our great commission, what we're called to do. And once again, we can do that if, if the glory of God's fallen in our nation or if we're hiding from the government. The mission doesn't change. I hope you hear me today. Not that I'm longing for that. Who is, right? But I'm saying, even if it goes there, even if it does, then guess what? The mission still remains the same. All right, so let me tell you this, and and I'm going to give you a few little add-ons here, okay? If you're taking notes, jot down these verses and just get them in your heart later, okay? But, but listen, as God's remnant, I think we need to remember that according to Acts 17, 26, that listen, God has this prophetic timeline that's working, right? It's happening. If we like it or not, it's unfolding. And God in His infinite wisdom chose, according to Acts 17, 26, that He pre-appointed our times and boundaries. In other words, He has chosen when He placed us on that prophetic timeline, right? In other words, go all the way back to the book of Esther when Mordecai told her, for such a time as this you have been born. I'm trying to tell you, for such a time as this in 2021, God saw fit that we would be born, right? And the reason is because he knew that we could, we had the capacity in us to be able to stand strong during these days. That God is trusting us to stand strong. Right? And so listen, he's put us on this timeline, but he just didn't put us on this timeline to just be good, nice people. Right? He put us on this timeline, once again, because we have a mission, but also because we have responsibilities. 
So if you're a part of the remnant of God, it's not just those people that say, oh, I believe in Jesus. Oh, yeah, you're part of the remnant. Here's the T-shirt. Not how it works, right? There's got to be some fortitude and some spiritual strength in you, right? That you don't bow, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel. It's those kind of people. It's not all those other people that just went, okay, we'll, we'll go with the flow. Am I making sense to you? So here's our responsibilities. Let me give you the first one. And this is, this is the, the easiest one, but it may be the most uncomfortable. All right? And it's simply this, that we as a remnant are actually called to pray for our leaders, whoever they are. Whoever they are, right? Listen, I got strong opinions too. I have preferences too, okay? But listen, we are called to pray for our leaders, whoever they are. Listen to 1 Timothy 2. He says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, what's his next words? And giving of thanks be made for the people who agree with you? No, 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 no. All men. All men. Watch this, for kings. Some translations actually translate that word for politicians. Help us, Jesus. For politicians and all who are in authority. Why? Why should we do that? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Right? And then he says this, For this is good and acceptable in sight of God our Savior, who, why? Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Gets back to the heart of being kingdom-minded. It's the whole reason Jesus came, to seek and save that which was lost. Yeah. Right? And so it's this idea that, man, listen, if you like them or not, right? The bottom line, if you don't have anything else to pray, pray for their salvation. It's not our job. It's not our job to come before the Lord and complain about them. It's our job to come pray and ask God to move because He still moves the hearts of kings like He channels water. Amen? Amen? Amen. So secondly, I think this, and y'all please open up your heart and hear this. Said Chronicles, once again, is a remnant. What's our responsibility? This is a verse that most of us know if you've been walking with Jesus for a while. It says this, 2 Chronicles 7, 13 and 14. It's kind of like the, the, the banner, you know, whatever, the golden child verse of prayer meetings, okay? It says, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain. Watch this. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain. Or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. That's because they stepped out from under the covering. Read the book. And then he says, if my people. So not talking about the world. He says, if my people, the church, right, will modernize it. Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Keep heart and turn from their wicked ways. Next word, then. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Do we all agree that our land needs to be healed? Amen. Yes. All right. So the thing I want to highlight here is this. Is I think so often, look, we, we, the small group of people, right, that, that, that say, okay, I'm going to make time for, for, to pray with the body. We come together and we pray. And, and if you ever come here, we pray for our nation. That's key. We pray for our nation. And we ask God to move. And, and I'll say this, that... I've been going to prayer meetings now for 20 plus years. And, I, and if I'm being honest with you, I'm probably pretty disappointed in the results of all those prayer meetings. Is that okay to say that? Because yeah. I got big expectations. And, and I think that I'm probably not the only person that attends prayer meetings that believes God to move in our nation that's disappointed with the results we have. And, and, I'm, and I just want to tell you today, and I'm not putting all of it on us, but I do think we have responsibility once again as a remnant to go, you know what, maybe we're part of the reason why we're not seeing the change we want to see. In other words, it's easy to blame those people that walk in darkness. But he said, if my people would do this, 
then he would do this. So either he's telling us the truth or he's lying. And so, so I just kind of think this, man, if we stop and look at this verse for a second, uh, could it be possible because we are not humbling ourselves, right? And I say that because so often in church, uh, if, you, if, you, if you say you've never struggled with this, uh, you're lying and you're frying, right? But, but it's so easy to think we're better than others because we stand for righteousness. Okay? But have we humbled ourselves really in the sight of God, Right? And I even say this, and even us that are from certain persuasions, right, certain denominations, whatever, to actually go, man, I've humbled myself enough to actually don't believe that I'm better than the church down the street or the believer across the road. Am I making sense, you guys? Have we really humbled ourselves before God? And, and then it's in this sense, man, you know, yes, we've prayed, but have we really turned away from our wicked ways? What I've seen in the church really for a long time is we pray and we keep doing the same thing. We expect something different. Make sense? We're still gossiping. We're still slandering. We're still doing all these things. And we're wondering why we're not seeing anything change. And I'm trying to tell you because maybe we're missing those two ingredients of humility and turning from our ways. Then maybe we're rendering our own prayers ineffective. I know that's not easy to swallow. Okay? Because it's easy just to come and do our duty and say, I'll get into prayer meeting. Yay! And then we leave. No, there's responsibility. Right? If we're going to be a rim, if we're going to be the people that walk with God. And so, lastly, let me give you this verse, because I think it's definitely connected. I think it's a remnant we are responsible to do what Hosea prophesied in Hosea 10, 12. Please listen to this verse. In fact, if you haven't heard anything, hear this verse. He says, Sow for yourself righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. He's talking about your heart. Right? Everyone that's in this room got a place where our heart's hard. It's come hard through the church. It's come hard through the words. It's come hard through the wounds and pains in life. Whatever. Everybody's got some spots where it's hard, where the Word of God needs to become a hammer, and it needs to crush out those spots, where we need uh, you know, a heart of flesh, you know, that, this, that the Holy Spirit gives us a new heart, right? So, so that we'd actually break up our fallow ground. Watch this. And then he says this. The whole reason I'm reading it. For it is time, if I can say, for it is past time to seek the Lord. It is past time to seek the Lord. How long we do it? Till He comes and rains righteousness on us. You know, I just think this, man, if we could, if we could get out of the mindset, I know this is strong to you, okay? This is, this is a father talking to you, all right? That, that if maybe if we, could get, if we could get past a spot where we're settled in a heart, well, those five people in the church, they'll do it. They'll seek God. They'll pursue God. They'll pray. And we act like we just get to ride on their coattails and enjoy the blessings. It happens. I've been doing this long enough. I'm telling you, I've seen it every place I've ever lived. Okay? It, that, that, there's, that there's those that genuinely pursue Jesus with everything they got, and then everybody else is just content with just hanging out on the surface level and being good. Right? But what would happen if we would actually go, you know what? God, have I really dove as deep as you wanted me to dive? Like, God, am I, am I still hanging out ankle deep when you said it's time to swim? Like, God, have I really win? I'm telling you, there's areas in my life I need to swim. Okay? So I'm not throwing a rock at you here. Okay? But, man, have we dove deep and have we said, you know what, as, a, as, as the people of God, man, we're willing to go where He wants us to go. We're willing to do what He wants us to do. We're willing to say what He wants to say. But before we do all that, we're willing to spend as much time as He wants in the closet, in the prayer closet with Him. 
We want to pray and hear from heaven. Am I making sense to y'all? So I, I know this is strong once again, but listen, my, the, really what I'm trying to say to you, I'm trying to spur you on today, is to understand that, man, I know it doesn't look good, but man, the story isn't over. Right. It's not over, man. God still has a great plan for His church. He still has a great plan for our lives if we're willing to do these things. If we don't, the moment, the prophetic moment is going to pass us by and we'll miss what God wants to do. But if we're willing to press in, I believe God will shock us in what He will do. To kind of give you a, a mindset, before Christmas break, the Lord told me to read the book of Nehemiah. I haven't made it all the way through yet because I keep reading the first few verse, uh, chapters over and over and over again. But the thing that's catching my attention the most is that here's this country, obviously, that they, they disobeyed God. Judgment came. The walls were torn down, right? In other words, Jerusalem was an absolute disaster. All the walls were there. And there were people that basically had escaped captivity and they came back to, Nea, uh, to Jerusalem. And they were just living basically lives of poverty. They were a wreck, right? They were in desolation. And it says that Nehemiah, listen, that he, that he actually uh, found out what was going on. Somebody told him. And here's a key part, and it goes back to that uh, scripture there, Second Chronicles. I should have said this earlier. But what actually happened with him is if you read it in chapter 1, it says he repented of his sins, his family's sins, and the nation's sins. And so I think part of a remnant, if I can pause and go back for a moment, is this, is we got to realize when it comes to that scripture that there comes a time that we actually need to repent for stuff more than just us. More than how we blew it that day. That we need to take some responsibility because what happens is, is we fail to remember that God sees us as a whole, not just as one. If you need biblical proof for that, look what he did. Literally, uh, when, 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 the, when the Israelites came out of I came out of Egypt, and we know that they obviously had a victory in Jericho, but then they went to Ai, the next place, and they got it handed to them. Why? Because Achan, one guy, sinned. <laughs> so God sees us as a whole more than we'd like to admit. And so what happens is I think sometimes maybe we need to take personal responsibility, and we need to actually begin to repent of what's going on in our nation. Like repenting for all those babies that are killed. Repenting for our uh, stance on sexuality. Repenting for the way that murder and violence and, and racism and all that's went on. I'm not saying you pay back. That's garbage. Okay? We repent before a living God. Amen? So listen, I can say this. I know this may be new for some of you guys. But, but when we moved here five years ago, and this church was not in a healthy spot. Great people, but not a healthy spot, right? And I would come in here and I would pray, and I'd never really done that, what we're talking about before. And I remember, in fact, I remember the first time it happened, I was right here. Boom, and the Lord spoke to me, and He basically told me to begin to repent of things that had happened here, that other people did. I wasn't even here. I lived in another state. And I knew in my heart from the Holy Spirit that things were not going to change until that business was handled with Him. And so I didn't sit back and go, God, speak to them. I said, okay, there's a personal responsibility I have because I'm the pastor of this church. Right? And so I began to cry out to God and I began to repent for things that I didn't do because I wanted to see, heal I wanted to see healing come. And that's where humility has to come in. Amen? So do we want to see the healing come to our nation? Then we've got to start repenting. Yeah. Repenting is foreign to us now. Right? So we need to repent. Amen? So if I can say this, man, listen, once again, the story's not over. God's got a great plan for our lives. It, but there's this part, man, we got to lift our heads up. Quit looking at the TV. 
Quit looking at what you see. Lift your head up to where your help really comes from and let the King of Glory come in. Amen? Because we need the King of Glory because He's the only answer. Yes? Amen. Can you stand to your feet, please? If you can't close your eyes, I simply want to declare a portion of Scripture over you today and then we're going to pray. It's kind of funny. This is from Psalm 121, and somebody walked up to me. It's the whole chapter. And somebody walked up to me after last service. They said, hey, I want you to notice that uh, today is, or she said basically 121, like the 21 piece to it. I said, okay, that's cool. So listen to this verse here. It says, I look up to the mountains and hills, longing for God's help. And this is us. Put yourself in this. It says, but then I realize that our true help and protection comes only from the Lord. Get that. Only from the Lord. Our Creator who made the heavens and the earth. He will guard and guide me, never letting me stumble or fall. God is my keeper. He will never forget nor ignore me. He will never slumber nor sleep. He is the guardian God for His people, Israel. Jehovah Himself will watch over you. He always, He's always at your side to shelter you safely in His presence. He's protecting you from all danger, both day and night. He will keep you from every form of evil or calamity as He continually watches over you. You will be guarded by God Himself. Now listen to this. You will be safe when you leave your home and safely when you return. He will protect you now and He'll protect you forevermore. Amen. Thank you, God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, I thank you for the journey that they're on with you. Lord, I thank you for their heart for you. And Lord, I simply ask today, God, that you would remind them, God, of who you want to be to them and who you want to be for them. And God, that you would remind them, God, of who you have called them to be in you. And lastly, remind them, God, of what you have called them to do. Father, we thank you today that you are alive, that you are real, and you do dwell in us, and you have given us a calling. You have given us a purpose. And so, Lord, we just ask today that you would help us to step into that position where we are your people who are a part of the remnant in this last day's church. And Lord, we pray today that our hearts, God, would be awake, God, to everything that you have for us. God, if we are sleeping, God, we just say, uh, wake, O sleeper, wake, O sleeper, in Jesus' name from your slumber and arise and become who God wants you to be. And so, Father, I ask today that you would simply bless your people to be everything that you called them to be. Thank you for the anointing that's on their life. Thank you for the calling this on their life. And Lord, whatever was in this today's message that needed to grab a hold of us, God, maybe need to even snatch a knot in us. Lord, we ask God that it would do so in Jesus' name. Lord, that once again, we would seek your face. And God, we would take our responsibility, God, as a remnant. So Lord, once again, even as we said last week, God, shake us. God, shake us to literally, God, the only things that remain in us are the unshakable things of your kingdom. Father, we want to be a people, God, that bring you glory. We want to be a people, God, that literally lift up the name of Jesus. We don't want to be about ourselves. Lord, we want to be about you because we believe, God, even as we said today, that the story isn't over, that you're still writing it, God, that you still have a plan and you still have a purpose. And it's a great one. And it's one where darkness doesn't win. And so, Lord, today we thank you for the victory. Jesus, we love you. We give you our lives. We give you our hearts. We give you all that we got. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.